Never before, on the Sunday before an election, have I felt compelled to preach from the book of Revelation. But then again, this year feels like no election that I've ever participated in before. Now, before you might question my grip on reality or worry that I have succumbed to the dark side, remember that apocalyptic literature or uh, writings that offer a glimpse into the last things are always intended for comfort and encouragement. Believe it or not, they are written to be sources for hope. Really? Uh, sources of hope. With riders of death, with wells of poisoned water, and with locusts that are battle locusts. This can somehow be hopeful. For centuries it has been, especially for Christians who have lived in times of uncertainty, in times of violence, and in times of pandemic. At times like these, Christians have looked at the world around them and asked, how can this be? How can the terror or the horror or the corruption be the way that life is supposed to be? One biblical scholar asks it this way, how can we affirm God's justice and wisdom and power and goodness when we look around and see destruction and calamity? How does that work? So it's from this place that the book of Revelation is written. Now, if you haven't read the book of Revelation in a while, uh, it might be helpful to catch you up to speed. John of Patmos, a first century Christian who's exiled on that island, one Sunday finds himself caught up in the spirit. And he experiences a vision of divine reality as a way of understanding what is happening in his time and place. He and his fellow Christians live under the suffocating pressures of the Roman Empire. And he has this intense vision of the court of heaven filled with creatures and with incense and with splendor. And then he hears words of comfort and words of warning for the seven churches around him in what is today Western Turkey. And just before the text we heard this morning, a scroll, the scroll of life, is presented and is unsealed, or really it has begun to be unsealed because each seal that opens describes a cataclysmic event. First come the four writers of the apocalypse. The first seal brings the writer conquer and oppression. And then comes war and next famine and then finally pestilence and death. These are the first four seals. And then violence shatters the peace of the, nation, of the nations. And then supernatural signs, such as the darkening of the sun, 
say on a Wednesday, and a blood red moon. It's enough in the book of Revelation that everyone, including the rulers and the rich magnates and the powerful generals, they all head for the hills. And they plead for the mountains to fall on them and protect them because the seventh seal is about to be opened. And they're afraid. And at that moment of dis-ease and of fear, they ask this question. For the day of wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? Set against the backdrop of the continued spread of the novel coronavirus and a stalled economy, we once again find ourselves on the precipice of an election. Now, in my voting lifetime, I have never heard a national election be referred to as anything less than the most important election of our lifetime. And perhaps it's true that this could be the one. But as one pundit recently said, rarely do you hear someone refer to an election, especially their own, as the sixth most important election of our lifetime. And... I don't remember an election when 70% of the electorate is deeply anxious about the future of our nation, are convinced that unless their candidate wins, that we are doomed. I also don't remember an election when local and national law enforcement have been so on edge because of the threat of violence, whether at the polls or in the days following the election. And the fact that so many Americans have anticipated this election by purchasing guns, ostensibly to protect themselves, well, this I find frightening. And so, there have been times just this last week when I have wondered, who is able to stand? Right? It's not hard at all to imagine the great ordeal that we heard described earlier that the saints of God have emerged from in this vision. I viscerally understand a yearning for a place where they will hunger and thirst no more, a place where they will not be scorched by sun or by fire. A place that fundamentally offers shelter. It's that promise of shelter that has given me hope this week. And I'd like to spend a moment here because otherwise I think that something important in our text can easily be missed. Because before the seventh seal is opened, right, before that happens, in the midst of all this pandemonium and terror, the book of Revelation shifts to this interlude. And we hear it today on All Saints Sunday because it's one of the few places in our scriptures that envisions the relationship 
between God and people who have died. But it's not simply about those who have died. Because the word here that is translated as shelter, as in the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them, is the same word that stretches back to the early history of the people of God. It means to dwell. Or in another word, it means to tabernacle. And this is important because after the Passover, for a while, the people of God, well, they found that they could trust, they could locate the presence of God in a very particular place in the ark, within the tent, right, in the tabernacle. And then the shelter of the presence of God became even more particular over time when they would build a temple for this presence. First it was Solomon's and then Herod's. But here in this interlude, before the seventh seal is opened, we are given an assurance, a promise, that no matter where the people are, that God has promised to be present, to abide with them, to shelter them. Now this is not a shield from suffering, but it is a promise that suffering will cease and that our suffering will have meaning. And it's a promise that this shelter, this, this dwelling of God is not going to be far off or inaccessible. In fact, I wonder... If at times in your life, you have come close to this place before. You might already know what this feels like. And this is why I find the vision of John of Patmos to be so compelling. Yes, it is about what will be, what ultimate reality is. But not so that we remove ourselves from the present. This vision has been preserved from family to family, generation to generation, so that we too might be able to draw our hope in a moment like this. Is this a book written about the persecution of the Roman Empire in the first century in Western Asian Minor? Yes. Is it a book written to reveal the ultimate reality of goodness triumphing over evil and that oppression will not have the final word? Yes. Is this a book for Christians of any time, including our own, so that they, so that we can find encouragement and hope in times of trial and discern meaning in the midst of suffering? Absolutely. Friends, I trust that in the days to come, in the midst of chaos, the results of this election are not all that will be revealed. Because believe it or not, our salvation is not going to come from this election. But our ability, our willingness to trust in the shelter of God's presence just might be revealed. There will be lots of revelation this week, friends, about our nation the potential for violence and for loss is real, as is a more ephemeral danger 
which is the loss of ourselves, of our souls. Because the ever-present pull towards fight or flight remains, either to fight the other with whatever means achieve my ends, or to absent myself from the conflict altogether. And even though the challenges before us may well be different, depending on the outcome of this election, I believe that our vocation as Christians in this nation will be the same. So as followers of the shepherd who is the lamb, what are we to do? We are to stand. To stand in prayer with the meek on our left and the peacemakers on our right. We are to stand. Stand in witness together with those who mourn in front of us and the pure in heart behind us. We are to stand this week and in the weeks to come, friends, whether in times of triumph or in times of trial. And if we are to have weapons, they will be the weapons of mercy and righteousness. We are to stand together with God's help. We are to stand trusting in the shelter of our Most High God.